Arthur Balpern, the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this is Fangraphs Audio. Much like the Hilton Anatoly in Dallas, Texas, where this year's winter meetings take place, Fangraphs Audio is a renowned destination rich with champions, warm hospitality, and Western lore. And much like the Hilton Anatoly, this edition of Fangraphs Audio has Dave Cameron as a guest. And what follows, Dave Cameron gives us a preview of this year's winter meetings in Dallas, looks over at Sunday night's Jose Reyes signing by the Miami Marlins, and also looks forward to what that Miami Marlins team might look like if it were to sign Albert Pujols, who's also rumored to be in negotiations with the South Florida Club. This episode of Fangraphs Audio uh, also offers a guest appearance by Rob Nyer that you can rest assured is made entirely awkward by me, your host, Carson Sestouli. It's Fangraphs Audio, live on tape from Dallas, Texas, right now. Apparently, it is a renowned destination. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty nice, and it's a it's larger than the hole in Miguel Olivo's swing. I would say it's it's bigger than it is beautiful. Were you working on that line? Uh, no, no, that was uh, somewhat spontaneous. Wow. Uh, so what are we gonna do? Because you're you're <laughs> there, and I know that it makes sense for us to cover the winter meetings. What is the yeah. like? What do you think? How, how do we best use this time? Uh, to cover them, though? So I was thinking, like, um, if we do something in the morning and we can get up on the site in the early afternoon, we can kind of react to the things that happened the night before or tell humorous stories from bar hopping. So I didn't do a whole lot of bar hopping last night because I was writing up those various things. But I would think that, like, tomorrow and the next day I might have some humorous stories from the night before of, like, uh, unnamed NL executives wandering into the stairs. You know, like, uh, <laughs> there could be humorous things that we could share. Um, and then kind of set up what the day is going to look like and, like, what the rumor of the day is and kind of, uh, you know, um, do a little bit of a preview because uh, I think we're going to write up recaps of stuff as it happens on the site, so I don't know that we want to also, like, do an end-of-night recap podcast, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll let you uh, run with it. But you, so you wrote okay. up the Reyes thing. That happened. Yeah. That, did that happen yeah. in Dallas? It <laughs> happened last night at, like, dinner time, at 7 or 8 o'clock, yeah. Oh, okay, and and so that essentially that was uh, Reyes's people, and I guess Reyes himself sitting down with uh, some contingent of the Florida, uh, sorry, the Miami Marlins. Uh, so they didn't have like an official uh, press thing. I mean, they, basically uh, the way it works is Buster Olney or Ken Rosenthal or one of the people with sources uh, sends out a message on Twitter saying, "Hey, you know, this deal's final," and then everybody confirms it. And then, you know, a day later, they have a press conference and send out, like, an official release. But, like, so the Reyes signing went official last night, but it's not like Jose Reyes didn't show up here and have a press conference. Will he do that? No, they don't. I mean, like, I think last year, uh, Scott Morris brought Carlos Pena here for, like, a press conference. But Pena was, like, here shopping himself around. So, uh, but by and large, you know, they don't have press conferences for these things much. They'll do them for, like, trades where the GMs will get together and, you know, talk to the media, but for like free agent signings, they don't really do it. So Buster only, or Ken Rosenthal, like you said, uh, tweets it, and then everyone has to go to their respective rooms and write up the trade? Or there's a big media workroom. I mean, I wasn't here last night, so but I'm assuming that like everyone was hanging out in the lobby, and then, you know, everyone's phones blew up, and it was like, oh, the greatest thing's going official, and everyone ran to the media room to start writing. 
Do you think you could beat everyone? I mean, what what percentile do you think you um, you finish in in terms of your ability to complete an article before everyone else? Uh, I think I did pretty good. I mean, I finished at like 11 o'clock last night or so. So I think uh, you know, for the thorough analysis we do, I think I I did okay. Right. Yes. And the analysis is very thorough. It should be noted. Now, now that, uh, I guess we could talk about the Reyes signing briefly. Uh, you appear yeah. to consider it a potential bargain for the Marlins. Yes, right. Well, well, explain yourself, Cameron. <laughs> so I guess I look at it as most free agent signings are mostly downside, where I think the Jason Worth contract is a good example last year. Uh, he had to perform at a very high level, probably the maximum level allowed by his talent level, in order for that contract to pay off. And any regression at all meant that was going to be an overpay. The, the, the Nationals essentially paid for the idea of peak Jason Worth for a long time uh, in order to get $126 million of value out of him. And there wasn't a whole lot of room for him to decline or get hurt and still live up the contact, contract. I think with Reyes, there is a bit of a room for him to decline or get worse, get hurt, um, because the $106 million that they guaranteed him isn't all that much for a player who's as good as he is when he's healthy. And there's uh, quite a bit of a room for him to take a step backwards and still be a, a high-quality player earning $18 million a year. Now, this also has something to do, or this concerns position um, adjustments too, right, positional adjustments, because with a player like Reyes, and you mentioned this, even at his worst, he's still been approximately a league average hitter and maybe slightly below average defensively, um, and that's been when he, you know he's injured, and he might be injured again, but if you have that production from a shortstop, then that is a, obviously clearly a huge advantage over a corner outfielder like Jason Worth. Right. I think the thing is, if you have a guy who can play a capable defensive shortstop, the offensive bar is not that high. I think I mentioned in the post the league average WRC plus for shortstops uh, during Reyes' career to date is 87. So shortstops in general are like 13% below average as hitters. So if a re- if a gimpy Reyes is a league average hitter and regresses back and doesn't steal as many bases and loses some power and you know the lack of walk shows back up and his on base percentage drops back to 330 and he's just a league average hitter again, he's still 13% better than his peers, which is you know not an insignificant amount. Uh, so he's got a pretty long ways to fall before he falls back into league average hitting shortstop territory. And then, you know, there's all the things he does above and beyond his offense. He's still a pretty good defensive player. He runs the bases really well. Uh, there's a lot of things that Jose Reyes does well that will allow him to add value, even if he's not as good as he was last year. Okay, so what do we have for a free agent list now, a sort of revised free agent list uh, minus uh, Jose Reyes? What are we looking at? Well, obviously there's Pools and Fielder, the two big bat first basemen guys in the market. I would expect that they'll... Uh, both sign in the next couple of weeks. Pools might sign this week if uh, reports of the Marlins making an aggressive push might make the Cardinals up their offer. I can see that coming to a head this week. Um, and then you've got, you know, C.J. Wilson and Mark Burley on the pitching side of things. Ryan Madsen as a closer. Aramis Ramirez at third base. Those are most of the big names left on the market. Oh, Aramis Ramirez. It seems like he might be gotten for a deal. What was the contract that he declined with the Cubs? Well, he had a player option for at least $16 million, uh, and he opted out of that in order to get a long-term deal. So he's not going to get $16 million per year in annual average value, but he wanted more than one guaranteed year. He wanted uh, he saw this as a chance to get his last three- or four-year deal, most likely. Uh, so my guess is he's going to ask for four and settle for, like, three in an option. But uh, I think this was his one chance to get some job security, so he'll take a little less than annual average value to get some more years. He had a rough 2010, but uh, he rebounded. I don't necessarily know what his defense was like. 
in 2011, but uh, his offense certainly rebounded in a year that was uh, down once again offensively. Uh, is he the sort of player who might end up being also a, a what we might call a free agent bargain? Yeah, I don't think so. I think with Ramirez, uh, teams are going to pay for the bat, and he's really the only third baseman out there. I mean, if you look at the free agent list, it's Ramis Ramirez and a bunch of guys who you don't want playing for you. So I think every team that's in the market for a third baseman is really kind of looking at Ramirez and saying, well, this is our only option, and my guess is that's really him getting overpaid. So I think you're going to see Anaheim and Detroit and a few other teams that are in the market for a third baseman, maybe Milwaukee, jump in and say, you know, $60 million for Ramis Ramirez. When we have no other options, we can go ahead and do that. I don't, I don't see there being a lot of bargain potential here with Ramirez since he's the only guy at the position. Now you, you also mentioned C.J. Wilson, Mark Burley. Um, I think uh, Hiroki Kuroda is also a free agent. I'm curious, with regard to Burley, though, is he really at that level? I know you posted, I think it was you who posted recently, uh, a piece on uh, Burley's ERA minus, essentially. Uh, and yep. and the, he because he allows so many balls in play, uh, he has this sort of larger gap between his his um, his dips metrics and his actual earned runs allowed metrics because he relies on his fielder so much. Yeah, I think the perception of Burley is going to be that maybe he's not at the C.J. Wilson level, but you know he's extremely durable. He's thrown 200 innings a year for I think 11 years in a row now. Um, he's an inning leader. He's uh, pitched well in American League ballpark that's hitter friendly, uh, and the ERAs have been low. Whether you believe that. Uh, you know, he's headed for a regression or not. I think teams still look at ERA very heavily, and they're going to see Burley as a, a durable inning leader and above average number two or number three starter. I think he's going to get paid pretty well. I mean, there was talk early in the winter he might have to settle for like a two-year, $30 million deal or something. That's out the window. I think he's going to get three or four years and closer to 50 or $60 million. Wow, good. Uh, so uh, just in terms of the rest of the day or, you know, between the time um, we're talking now and when we'll talk tomorrow on Tuesday, uh, do you sort of have any sense of what will be unfolding? Well, I think uh, as teams are getting in, uh, I know the last of the teams were arriving this morning. The winning meetings kind of get officially underway today. So they're going to start uh, being interviews with managers. You'll see uh, a lot of people having, you know, similar quotes from similar managers who are getting press conferences. Uh, and then you'll probably see, um, I would say, some transaction rumors throughout the day building into the evening and then maybe see some moves later on tonight. I don't think there's anything on the on the hot button that's going to happen in the next few hours. But I think you'll see a lot of talk about Pujols meeting with the Marlins uh, or Pujols' agent meeting with the Marlins, and you're going to see some talk from that front pick up. And I think uh, you'll kind of see a lot of ground working where you see, you know, rumors of deals, this team's talking about that player. And then, uh, you know, maybe later tonight, tomorrow morning, you'll actually start to see some stuff uh, break down. Wait, a Florida Marlins team that has Jose Reyes, uh, Hanley Ramirez maybe playing third base, um, Maybe outfield. Uh, I saw some mention of that, but presumably third base for now. Uh, Albert uh, um, Albert Pools at first, if I didn't say that already, and then a pitching staff that includes a uh, talented Josh Johnson, uh, a talented Annabelle Sanchez, uh, a confounding but maybe talented Ricky Nolasco, uh, and, you know, and then of course some pieces. Uh, you know, Mike Stanton obviously is a great piece. Uh, Logan Morrison. That doesn't sound like a bad team. What do you, if if the Pujols deal does go through, what do you foresee for them in uh, 2012? Well, I think that if they do sign Pujols, they'll have uh, significant more work to do because that they already have too many first basemen. So they have Gabby Sanchez, who's a pretty good first baseman, and clearly would have to be traded if they sign Pujols. There's no designated hitter in the National League. Uh, they're already playing Logan Morrison as a first baseman in the outfield. So they're not going to put Sanchez in the outfield as well. Uh, I think Sanchez would have to 
we traded at that point, and then it would be interesting to see what they could get for Gabby Sanchez, who's a, you know not a superstar, but a, probably a league average or maybe a little better than league average player, cost-controlled, young. Uh, he'd have some market value, so if they could move him for another piece that was uh, uh, you know maybe a starting pitcher at the back end of the rotation or um, some help in center field, I think that all of a sudden they're starting to look like a playoff contender. I don't think signing pools would be the last thing they could do. It would put in uh, to effect a, a cause and effect of other events that they would have to then engineer, but I think it would be um, the kind of move that would signify that they're serious contenders in 2012. I found myself grasping earlier in this conversation for the GM, uh, the name of the GM for the for the Florida, sorry, the, the Miami Marlins, uh, and I realized that I shouldn't feel bad at all for not knowing his name. Is he? Is, yeah, you should. Is it's Michael Hill? Is he? Is he the the most obscure? Uh, Michael Hill, right? Yes. Is he the most obscure GM uh, in the majors? Uh, has to be, yes. I would say that, you know, their their front office structure, uh, Larry Beinfest gets most of the, the notoriety, even though he's the team president. So uh, Michael Hill kind of just fades into the background. And then, so what's his job, basically? Well, I think that, they, you know, most teams, even if there's a GM and an assistant GM, they really just have pools of people who sit around and make decisions together. And there might be one guy who has final say, but it's a collective, collaborative effort in most places. So I think Hill's part of the process and Bynes part of the process. And, you know, they have a team of guys who sit around and make decisions. And, um, you know, Hill might not be the final say like a GM is in some cities, but I think in Chicago it's going to be similar where Jed Hoyer's not the final say because the U.S. team's around. Right, right, right. Okay, well, um, uh, that's pretty good uh, initial offering. Do you, uh, I mean, perhaps more importantly, do you have uh, uh, dinner arrangements uh, I don't, but one of the interesting things about the meetings is there's always people that you run into that uh, you want to catch up with, and so usually it's you know five or six people who get hungry all at the same time who want to talk, and you're like, hey, let's go get dinner, and you try and time it at, a, at a, an hour when there's not going to be a lot going on. So uh, I'm sure at like 4.30 or 5 o'clock, I'll start eyeing other hungry-looking people who look like they might be fun to talk to. Uh, not to not, oh, okay, not to eat them. Not to eat them, no. Right. I, uh, I like meat, but not that kind. No, yeah, 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 I get it. All right. Uh, well, Dave Cameron, uh, thanks a lot for this uh, for this first uh, first of maybe four uh, winter meeting uh, updates. Uh, thanks for calling, Carson. I'm sure we'll uh, do this again. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's let's do that. That's Dave Cameron. You, you want to talk to Nye? You want to talk to Nye? Are you sitting right next to me? Oh yeah, put him on. Carson. Hey, Rob Nyer. Hey. Rob, your your guest. That you're making a guest appearance in Fangraphs Audio. You're kidding, really? Yeah, this is it. I think I'm contractually prohibited from doing such things. Oh, I can edit you out then. Okay, you better do that because uh, I would want to get in trouble with my people. <laughs> Are you really not? You're really not allowed to to join us anymore. No, it was a joke. Oh, you still want me to edit like, you out? As, though? As, a, as a as a working comedian, you would get that. Oh, you just your delivery is so dry, Nair. That's true. I am pretty deadpan. Yeah. Uh, I oh, I saw on the Saber website you're going to be giving a talk. Yes, uh, a couple hours. D. Yeah. Phillips just walked by. Who did? D. Phillips. Oh. That, that, that's from the front lines. Of <laughs> that's right. Yeah, this is reportage. Be, it's it's funny. You should have Cameron give you a running commentary all day long. I who just walked by. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, that, I think that's what the people want. <laughs> <laughs> With photos. Uh, I guess we could do that, too. What would the technology? I guess on, with audio, though, you start to 
I don't know how you do that. You could, camera could paint word pictures. Um, yeah, that's might be in his skill set. That's one of his strengths. Word pictures. He definitely he does something with words. I think he actually has uh, logaria. Um, don't don't say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, listen. That was Rob Nyer reporting directly. Uh, I should say Rob Nyer, what uh, czar of baseball nation. That's I'm fine with that. Benevolent czar. benevolent dictator of baseball baseball nation. Yeah. Uh, r- r- rational dictator, something like that. Yeah, one of those things. Okay. Whatever uh, Plato was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, it was nice to talk to you, Rob Nyer. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. That was Rob Nyer and Dave Cameron before him. Uh, I am Carson Sestouli, and this has been a Winter Meetings edition of Fangraphs Audio.